Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Burnell from drburnell.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. I have a very incredible guest today, Dr. Shameen Henry, who is passionate about helping people break through where they are in order for them to see the best in themselves. She believes that ownership is a complete circle. Whatever starts with you ends with you. Therefore, she works to integrate life's learnings with the outlook for people to discover their creativity to do something special. Dr. Shamim has a servant's heart, believes in giving back to her community and helping the next generation succeed. She believes that the journey is not a straight road. It's the curves in the road, as well as the closed doors that make you a stronger and more determined individual. Dr. Shamim lives in the East Bay with her husband and is an active member of her church, and a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> welcome, 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 Dr. Shami. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ronell. <laughs> so glad you heard the ski wee, right? <laughs> yes, I heard the ski wee. <laughs> yes, I had to hit you up on that. That was not a part of your bio, but I did have to put that in there anyway. <laughs> All, good. All good. I did it the other day in the airport when I saw a sore, So Listen, listen, my ears are tuned to the Skiwi. I must yeah. say I was on a campus with over 40,000 students and a soror skiweed me. And I think I could have whiplash. I turned around so fast. My daughter was just like, I said, that's a sore. She's calling me. Somebody's calling me. So yes. Anyway, I digress. Thank you so much, Dr. Shameen, for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you here. 
on the podcast. We talked a little bit about beforehand, kind of like what the podcast is about and the reason why I invite people on to share their incredible stories of their life's journey and how those things have kind of like brought them to the place where they are today and the impact that they're making in their lives and the lives of others. And so I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you so you can go ahead and share your story with the listeners. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I think that probably one of my biggest things was finding love after 40. I had always been someone that had thought I would be married by 23, thought I'd have my two kids or three kids and the house and the white picket fence and everything. And 23 happened and 25 happened and 29 happened and 30 and on up happened. And although I dated a lot and I did a lot of online dating and internet dating, I never found that love, that person Mm. that loved me for me and all that is what you see before you is Dr. Shamina Henry, And it's a lot. It really is a lot. And so I remember my really, really dear friend of mine, we were working together at work one day and I remember sitting in her cubicle and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I find anyone? And she's like, nothing, you know, let's figure something out. Maybe, you know, I said, I don't want to do blind date because then that's always awkward. I said, but if you guys had an event or a party, because Her husband was really, he was a social butterfly and knew a lot of people. And he was also a man of Alpha Phi Alpha. I said, you know, maybe if you guys have an event and we just show up, if sparks fly, if they don't, it's cool. It's not awkward. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, okay, no problem and everything. Well, fast forward, my sister and I went to go visit my grandmother in 2012. Mm-hmm. And to take some time with her to give my aunt a rest. And my grandmother and I always had this running joke that she wanted some of my cake, my wedding cake. And so one day my grandmother and I were sitting in the house and she says, I want some cake. And I called my grandmother Gaga and I was like, Gaga, there's no cake in the house, but I can make you one. And she's like, no, I want some of your wedding cake. And I literally looked at her and said, you and me both, Gaga, but I'm not dating anyone now. So I'm not sure when that's going to happen. You Mm -hmm. know, kind of jokingly. And she's like, okay. And she didn't say anything. Literally a week later, I met the man that would become my husband, but I did not know it then. A week later. And so fast forward to that. My husband and I, now husband and I met at a church event. My friends who I worked with, they were involved at a church and they were doing a kind of back to school, young adult, career, college program. And they asked me to come speak on behalf of Howard. I'm a Howard alum grad, Woo-hoo. proud Woo-hoo. class of 1994 <laughs> at HU <laughs> and also speak on behalf of AKA. And so I said, sure, no problem. And so We went there and we're talking and stuff. And I first met my husband, whose name is Michael. You know, I thought it was nice. It was like no sparks were flying or anything like that. It wasn't like, oh, I love it for sight. It wasn't anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was interested in someone else. And he was actually dating someone else at the event. Okay. And so we went, we did the event and everything like that. And I liked his energy and stuff. He was afraid to say my last name because my maiden name at the time was Hooker. And people are always afraid to say my last name. They can't quite pronounce my first name, Shmeen, but then they're afraid to say hooker. And I'm like, look, I've been a hooker this long. It's so funny. Okay. You know, just like this energy and stuff. And so about a couple of weeks later, this was October, all in October, 2012, a couple of weeks later, 
his really good friend, who's also a friend of mine, sends me a text. And she was like, hey, you remember Michael? And I was like, well, yeah, what about him? I thought something had happened because, you know, Mm -hmm. she's like, you're single and he's single. And I'm like, he's single? Isn't he dating XYZ? No, they decided to be friends. I think you guys should be friends and go get coffee. And I was like, sure. You know, I'm always down for getting to know somebody and just engaging in male conversation because it's Mm -hmm. different than your girlfriend's. Yes, it is. And, you know, (laughs) excuse me, to have just that male perspective. So I was like, sure, no problem. We became Facebook friends and we started like liking each other's posts or what have you and everything. And so now we're moving into like November, December. Mm-hmm. And so my best friend gets married. I'm emotional. The guy that I'm interested in is not trying to be dealt with me. You know, he's on to doing something else. And so New Year's Eve, I was really, really just down and depressed. My girlfriend just had this like true, like beautiful Cinderella fairy tale wedding. And so New Year's Eve, my friend Annette tells me like, come to our house. We're going to have a New Year's Eve party. Do you want us to invite Michael? You can invite him. And I was like, no, you guys invite him. It's not my house. You invite him. Well, he couldn't come, but they're like, oh, we have somebody else coming too. And you never know. And I'm like, you know, always down. I was like, I told myself for 2013, Mr. Wright wasn't going to come knocking on my door. I had to put myself out there. How old are you? I am 13. I was 42. Okay. I was 42. Mm -hmm. I told myself, Mr. Wright wasn't going to come knocking at my door. Okay. Okay. I had to at least go out to where Mr. Wright might be, that he wasn't going to come knocking like, here she is. So Mm -hmm. I'm now 42. And so come to find out, Michael had told me later that New Year's Eve that year, and New Year's Eve 2012, he had told his friend, next year, 2013, I'm going to find my queen. I'm going to go out and I'm going to find her. I'm not going to be home. Dude, I'm going to find the woman I was supposed to marry. I didn't know this at the time. So New Year's Eve happens, everything. Michael and I had already set up to go out on a date January 1st. January 1st, we do lunch date because it's not quite breakfast. It's not quite dinner, which is usually more expensive. Mm-hmm. We lunch. He had just told me he was starting a job. So it's like, sorry, we could go Dutch. It's no big deal. Like this is like 2013. It's like no big deal. So we go and we meet and the first we go see Django of all movies. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That was an interesting date. Okay. Right. We go to lunch, have a good time and everything. Well, Michael and I have a huge age gap and an age difference. There's 16 years between us. Did you know this at the time you guys had set up time to go out? I knew that he was younger. I didn't realize he was 20 at the time. I think he was 25, 26. Mm -hmm. When we first started meeting, you know, when we went out on our first date, which is a generation and a half. When you think about it, I'm a seventies baby. I graduated in 1988 from high school. He's born 1986, just to put it in comparison. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for putting that in comparison for everyone. Okay. So we went out to lunch. We saw the movie, good time and everything. So, you know, the evening's ending, walks me to my car and I get ready to kiss him. Well, it's a joke now, but he actually turned his cheek and gave me his cheek. And I was just like, I was offended, you know, then later on we go home and, you know, my girlfriend's like, how was it? How was it? Like, it was nice. We had a good time, good conversation. And so he texts me later and he's like, you're out of your league. At the time I was in my doctoral program, you're getting your PhD, you've lived in a couple different states. You've had all this experience, your age, you're out of my league. And 
I just feel like I'm not at your level. And I was like, okay, no big deal. It's all good. We can still be friends. We have a lot of mutual friends and I don't want it to be awkward with us because we do have a lot of mutual friends and we would see each other on more than one occasion. Well, fast forward that week, we had been texting each other and everything like that. And so at the time he had his own business as photography. So now we're on to Saturday of the same week of the first week of the year, 2013. And that Saturday, he had sold his biggest client, his largest, like at the time, uh, wedding package. And he was so excited. And so he called me to share it with me. And I was like, oh, that's great. We should go out to celebrate. He's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go grab something to eat. He's like, you want company? Sure. No big deal. We'd go grab something. We went to Chinese food, like literally down the street from where I used to live, where we ended up used to living. And after that date, everything changed. There was no more like pre-first date jitters. There was no more like, oh my gosh, he had kind of gone through his head. Like, you know, all the other people you'd been with, nothing else worked out. Try something different. You just Mm -hmm. never know. And from that moment on, he was the only man I dated in 2013. I have a question. Sure. I probably have like 10 questions. And this is mainly, I think, probably for the audience and listening. What mental hurdles, if any, did you have to overcome to be open to the idea of dating someone who was 16 years younger than you? I think for me, my biggest hurdles that I had to go through was maturity financial stability, like where they were, and they might not be where they were, but are they willing to grow to where they needed to be? Because I understand, you know, you're coming to the table and even us coming to the table in our thirties, forties, and fifties, we may not be where we are financially. We may not be in that non-debt situation or that low debt situation that we need to be, but are they willing to work or are they so unyielding that they're like, no, I just want to stay here. Are they willing to experience and explore new things? Michael will always say, I upgraded his cheese and his wine because (laughs) he never like drank wine. And Mm -hmm. he was like, cheese, craft singles that came out the wrapper. Now it's like gourmet Mm -hmm. cheese. Of course, this is before my husband turned vegan, but that's a whole nother conversation. But Mm -hmm. he'd always say, I upgraded his cheese and his wine, but he was open to explore and he was open to new things and he wasn't so stuck in his ways. And I think that was probably one of our bigger hurdles. That sounds more like him than more so kind of like you. Because there's probably people who are listening and wondering or wanting to date someone who is younger, but we're oftentimes conditioned to date Mm -hmm. same age older as women, whereas men can dip down and do something very similar. And not to say that we can't do it, but sometimes there's like a blockage for some people to kind of like do that. Like what advice would you even give someone to be open to that? I would say be open. If you've tried everything else, if you've always dated older, you've always dated your same age and you still haven't found happiness, why not try somebody younger? Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose? Going out for a date for coffee is not meaning you have to be married next week, Tuesday. You're just going out to engage and you never know what that person brings to the table. You never know what like joy or things like silliness, like you might've loved to do roller coasters, but society tells you you're 40, you can't go on roller coasters anymore. You have to be responsible. But mm-hmm. yet the person you're dating is 25. It's like, woohoo, I love roller 
coasters, let's go ice skating or what have you. And it brings out that joyfulness and youthfulness to you. So I would say, don't be afraid of what you think in society, because at the end of the day, it is about you and that person. Mm-hmm. It's you and that person's relationship. There were some deal breakers that we had. They had to have a relationship with God. They had to know God. They had to have a relationship. Now, do they need to be Bible belting, thumping the whole <laughs> nine, or are they growing in their relationship? You know, mm-hmm. they needed to be somewhere in that realm. Mm-hmm. They needed to understand that I was a Christian and I only believe in one God. I understand that other people worship others, mm-hmm. but here was for me. One of the big things for us, I think our hurdles as us, as we got engaged, because we got engaged four months after we started dating, we got engaged actually in April of 2013. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were engaged longer than we had dated and we got married in 2014. So we're getting ready to celebrate eight years next month. Eight wonderful years next month. His family had a lot of divorces. Mm -hmm. And so that was huge for me. My parents, before my dad passed, had been happily married for 53 years. And so for his whole family, and I mean whole family, with the exception of one family member at the time had all been divorced, it was important for us to go through premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. It was important for us to understand what he believed for marriage, whether or not divorce, you know, I always say divorce is not an option. And he always says, but it is an option. It's not an option we're choosing to look at, but it is an option, Mm -hmm. you know, It was important for us to understand that we are coming from different places, different generations, different experiences, and what we needed to do to bring together as a whole for a family. I would probably say my dad and mom had the bigger hurdle of getting over the age differences because he was so much younger than his family, but just kind of talking to him. But primarily too, I never really brought people home to my parents, Mm -hmm. being the baby, To come to meet my parents, you had to be really, really, really special because my father was like that. He was like that bald eagle sitting up on that perch that protected his family. Mm -hmm. So you didn't break through that easily. So you just didn't bring everyone home. And, you know, you have to look at my sister has been with her husband now 30 years. So he's been a part of the family, you know, about as long as my husband has been alive. And so Mm -hmm. I'd say for me... I had to really go through, like, what is it that I want? I've tried all this other stuff. I've tried to date older. I've tried to date younger. They didn't really love me for me, but love me for what I could give them. Mm -hmm. And with Michael, it was just different. Like, it wasn't about what I could buy. And, what you know, there'd be times where I'm like, nope, I'm not going to go my own ways. Like, I really had to tell myself to do differently Mm -hmm. than I had in the past because I was a fixer. You had an issue or problem, I would fix it. I would throw money at it. I would fix it. And so Mm -hmm. I would also say that I truly worked on me in between my last guy that I saw, dated, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. um, to meeting Michael. I worked on me and who I was and what I needed to do to be able to fully come to the table as a better person whole, Mm -hmm. leading to what I could have that person added to me. I never believed that a man completed you. Mm -hmm. I believe that you come to the table whole and they add to your completion, but they they don't necessarily complete you. And then one of the other things we did, we went through two different sets of premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. We went through marital counseling with my pastor for about six weeks. And we went through marital counseling with his pastor and first lady at the time, Mm -hmm. because 
one, I wanted to know what his doctorate was and what he believed and how he was being taught. But two, also to get an idea, because I'm a firm believer that you need to be under the same house Mm -hmm. when you're worshiping. You can't be under two. For me personally, again, you can't be under two Mm -hmm. different houses because your pastor might, you know, they might be telling you something else that you're like, hey, wait a minute. That's not what I'm in agreement with or what it says, or Mm -hmm. you know, and so when it came time. Yeah. So when it came time for us to find a new church home for us as Mm -hmm. a married couple. We spent time at his church. We spent time at my old church. And then we made a decision to go to find another church to where we could grow as a couple together mm-hmm. and not be in that, oh, we're just going to add Shemin and Stir or add Michael and Stir and this, and you'll be able to do mm-hmm. all of this. And so it's been great. We have relationships with our former pastors and our former churches still to this day. Mm-hmm. But where we are now, we have grown tremendously as a couple. So Um, let's talk about also when you were dating Michael. And I remember I asked you the question. I was like, Shameen, I was like, did you pray about this? mm -hmm. And is this the man that God called you to? And you told me yes. And then I just was like, well, then let it be as you say, right? Talk to me a little bit more about that. Like, what were you praying about concerning Michael when you decided to go to coffee when you felt like, okay, this could potentially be something. What did you see God about? I sought God to send me the man that would love me for all that is me. And I say it that way because I always thought I was high maintenance. Always. I'd always be like, I'm high maintenance. I'm high maintenance. Now I like some things. You're high energy. (laughs) I'm high energy. You're high energy. I don't know if that means high maintenance, but it's just high energy. It's like, you always bring a lot of yourself, a lot of love, like you're very giving. And yes. to some people, right? So I never saw it as like, oh my gosh, she's high maintenance. I just like high energy, high achiever, high impact, loves hard, plays yes. harder, right? So I mean, I always seen you as that type of person. <laughs> and I definitely love hard. I definitely love hard. But in my mind, I was always high maintenance because I'd always be like, oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to shop this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted somebody that just loved me for me when that raw, vulnerable, no makeup on, haven't had that, well, at the time, creamy crack, that perm done and your hair's all (laughs) looking crazy, you know, ups and downs when it's that time of the month, you know, I prayed for that person to be there and love me for all, through all the makeup and through now all the filters. I really prayed for someone that was similar in nature to my dad, that provider, that carer, that lover, that friend that would always be there for you and a kind heart. I prayed somebody for a servant's heart that loved God and loved his people. I prayed for someone that would still allow me to grow and not feel jealous or intimidated and understand because you have to understand and people don't, as I come to you with a lot of worlds, I come to you with all that is me. Mm-hmm. I come to you with Here's my education world. Mm -hmm. And as a doctor in psychology, I come to you as a active and financial member of Alpha Kappa Alpha and all that that is, whether it's Mm -hmm. conferences, whether it's my Mm -hmm. sorority sisters, whether it's, we got to do this, I got dues, I got this. Mm -hmm. I come to you with, you know, my family and all that is, and my family is a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. we have marathon family time where we're together four or five days on on. I mean, we just spent eight days in Cancun with my cousin for her wedding. 
dealt with all my family. It was 90 of us at a destination wedding. So I come to you with a lot and I prayed for that. I prayed for somebody that had range. I always said, you know, I want you to be like a Barack Obama. I want you to be able to be okay at the barbecue, hanging it out, whether you're playing basketball or dominoes or not, or playing with the kids, but also okay in a tuxedo for when I'm at a black tie event for AKA and you're okay to have a conversation without me having to be there on your arm. I need you to be able to facilitate that conversation. I don't need you to be a scholar. I don't need you to be able to cite the thesaurus, but I need you to be able to hold your own and have that conversation with individuals, whether you're talking about the weather, sports, or what have you. So have that range to where, yeah, you can kick it, but Mm -hmm. you're also comfortable in a black tie and know you're not going to just be sitting in a corner like, Listen, listen, I'm bored. I don't want this because that's real to me. Mm -hmm. You're comfortable in your own skin and comfortable with the man that you are. I love that. So listen here. I mean, I'm so moved by that because I think sometimes when we're praying to be married, that sometimes it's really some surface things that we start to pray to God about instead of really knowing who you are and what's going to work well for you. And then how you can also serve him. Right. And so it's not just about this exhaustive laundry list, but like father, someone who I am truly equally yoked with. Right. And so that's essentially what you're saying is that you can be comfortable, whether you're in this setting or that setting, because if you are like highly engaged in a lot of different things, yes, you want someone who's not going to sit by the sidelines and just say, okay, well, yeah, you go to that event by yourself. Nobody wants to get married to go to things by themselves. (laughs) Which I had prior to dating him. I literally dated somebody who was like, you never get dressed up for me. And I'm like, we never go anywhere. Listen. So when I had sorority <laughs> events, and I have, you know, at the time I was in a chapter that did debutante ball mm-hmm. every year because I was in the Sacramento chapter. We'd go to debut. You never dressed up. You don't want to go. I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit at home and do nothing that we do all the time because mm-hmm. you don't want to go. And then that's why I was like, And at that time, God gave me some serious signs that this person wasn't who was supposed to be for me. And I ignored him. And who, you know, first, that sign is subtle. Mm -hmm. Then that second sign might be a little louder. Mm -hmm. Then that third sign is like, oh, you're straight ignoring me. I'm going to make this big and I'm going to make this one hurt. Finally, I was like, I hear you, God, I'm good. Deuces. Because after a while, you're like, Oh, yeah. We've all been there, have we not? I think we've all, like, this is just a part of life is that some people come in and out of your life and it's being able to discern those who are from God and those who are not from God. So yes, I'm going to add to that. I've dated my fair share of jokers as well. (laughs) (laughs) I just call them that. So one of the things that you kind of touched upon is you said you and Michael have been married for eight years and then you had a little stipulation in there. You kind of said, you know, eight wonderful years. So talk to me a little bit about what's been so wonderful for you. And the only reason I'm asking that is sometimes I think I've had some guests who have talked about marriage and they've talked about the sacrifices. Of course, we all have to make sacrifices, compromises and things of that nature. But I loved how you just kind of like added that has been wonderful. It's been beautiful. And so talk to us a little bit about what has been so beautiful for you and Michael. You know, we grow together. We grow separately but we're also growing together. We've grown in our relationship with God, definitely. We Mm -hmm. have grown in our faith 
and what we've done. We've grown in our finances, like tremendously. We've grown to where I've actually had to step back and let him lead us because I was so strong and still am a strong person that I'm so used to doing everything that to learn to, however words we want to use, submit, obey, you know, sort of, and let that person leap, which is hard. And I did not say obey it when I got married. It just, just mm-hmm. but I've had to submit my spot. Like he is the head of our house. And I've had to really learn like, yes, there is that covering. There's God above us. He is under God. I am underneath him. One of the biggest things was when I lost my dad and my grandmother within a six month period. And that was the hardest time in my life. I am a daddy's girl. My dad got sick and it was unexpectedly. My grandmother, we expected, you know, my grandmother lived to be 96. She was there at our wedding to get her cake. She Mm -hmm. was uh, happy. She was the first person in line to get her cake once Michael and I cut our cake. And so I will always cherish that. And then my grandmother got sick in February. My dad got sick in April. My dad passed away in September. So he was there and he didn't have the length of time like my brother-in-law did to spend and get to know my dad as my brother-in-law has been with us for so long. But just to watch their relationship and watch them grow and know that I would be okay. We went through some major infertility issues Mm -hmm. and I am not able to bear kids. And that was a huge toll on us, both emotionally, separately and together. Mm -hmm. What that meant prior to getting married and dating Michael, I became okay with, I might never be a mom because when I hit 40, you know, your clocks are ticking a lot faster. And I had always told my doctor, I don't want to just have kids without a husband. I want it all. I know I can do it by myself but that's not what I want. Mm -hmm. And so based off of those conversations with my doctor, I made decisions accordingly. When I got married, we tried for years to have kids and I was unsuccessful Mm -hmm. to be able to have kids. And the infertility is real. And so the emotional distress and pain that you go through for infertility and people are like, oh, you could just adopt. And it's like, will you stop saying that to me? And it's not about necessarily becoming a mother and adopting. It was just to go through that whole experience of pregnancy and becoming kids. And that was hard on him because in my mind, I was like, my husband's young, younger than I am. He could leave me. Mm -hmm. He could want to go have kids with somebody else because I can't bear him kids. So even though he has never said that, even Mm -hmm. though he's always said, without you, I don't want it. I would only want to have kids with you. Mm-hmm. In my mind, because our mind plays tricks on us at times yeah. and saying the devil will put those seeds into you. I felt like I was not good enough and able to carry out our wishes. And so that was huge. That was huge mm-hmm. for us. It was a huge growth period. Some months are better than others, mm-hmm. even to this day. And I'm in my fifties. I'm about to be 52 next week. I'm not being able to have kids. Now is adoption off the table? No, not necessarily, but there's also rules with adopting when you're older. And mm-hmm. age criteria and age bracket. Mm-hmm. I would say for us, we had to really grow in our communication styles. One of the big things is I'm going to tell you how I feel. And I want to know right then what your thought is right now. Very methodical. Mm-hmm. Let me think. Let me figure out. And I didn't understand that. I was like, no, you're not responding to me. I need to mm-hmm. know. And so I had to learn that, okay. 
here's my thoughts, but what's your initial reaction? But I know you're going to have more time to think about it. And so that was a huge learning curve early in our relationship, Mm -hmm. like huge for me. And we've gotten better. Or he might say, okay, here's what I've been thinking about. What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. And then we'll spend time to discuss it. I love it. First of all, everything that you just shared was so heartfelt. And I definitely think it will resonate with other people. And I just really appreciate you for just being so transparent. And I love hearing about the glows and the grows of your marriage with Michael. And I was like, gosh, eight years. I was thinking like, where have I been? Uh, (laughs) Eight years. Eight years. And that's just beautiful. And so as we begin to kind of like wrap up the conversation, it sounds like you have a lot of life lessons that you just shared and some key takeaways. And I'll make sure that I capture some of those things in the show notes. But one of the things that I love to ask people on the show is, what is one thing that you know about God that you just wish the whole world knew? That it is in his time and not yours, no matter how much we want it to be in ours. Mm -hmm. It is in his time and that he knows your heart. He knows who it's for you. He knows what he's going to send you. And even to this day, I'm learning, you know, I've always been someone that's like, God, I want the thunder. I want the trumpets. I want Shemaine. This is God. Here's what I'm saying to you. And I remember saying something to someone and I said, but I wanted the trumpets. Then they said, but he gave you what you asked for. It was just in a different way that you were thinking. So being open to that and being really attuned to that discernment, because I prayed about something, sat it out there, forgot all about it. And then about six to eight months later, it came knocking on my door. Mm-hmm. And because it wasn't how I thought it was going to be, it really is. And that was, it was coming through another servant of his as confirmation. So we get that confirmation but we still don't believe it because in our mind, we're thinking it's like a movie mm-hmm. and Darth Vader and Luke, I am your father. We mm-hmm. think it's coming in a different way and it's not always coming that way. So really listening to him, being in tune, sitting still, whether you know it's your meditation in the morning, whether it's your meditation in the afternoon. I try to meditate before I come into the house after a hard day at work. Because Mm -hmm. I don't want my husband to have all of that negative energy of everything. I'm an HR director for four sites and they got issues. I'll just (laughs) say it like that. And Mm -hmm. so I try to meditate in the car before I get into the house because I don't want to bring all of into my house, into our life, into whatever we're doing for that next few hours Mm -hmm. and really Mm -hmm. just praying about it and not being afraid to grow, whether it's women's courses, men's courses spending time in the Bible, doing different Bible apps, doing different devotionals or what have you, and not being afraid to ask. And I think at times we think we are afraid because we think like, we should know this. You grew up this way. You should know this. And there's things that I just don't understand, but you've got to be able to be comfortable to still ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much to me for joining me today and for blessing the listeners with your testimony and your story. So if people are interested in connecting with you, how can they find you? They can reach me on Instagram. I'm at Mrs. H2, the number 2U1908. 
Mm-hmm. Or you can email me at drshameen, C-H-E-M-E-N-E at gmail.com. I love it. I love it. Thank you again so much. I'm thinking about like, sh- I need to have you and Michael come on so we can all. <laughs> yeah, he, like, yeah, he's the <laughs> We have to do that very soon. I mean, you know, like I said, there's 16 years difference. We mm-hmm. are a generation and a half and whoo. But it'll be so great. Yeah, I absolutely want to do that. So we're going to talk about that offline. But again, thank you so much for joining me today. And I really appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thank you. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.